This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and the other person who is on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you feeling about being on this podcast? I'm excited. (laughs) Good, good. I skipped asking, how are you? Because I think, you know, it seems like you're doing pretty, pretty well today. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much looking forward to our topic, so I think it has given me a boost. <laughs> I see. We'll just ignore the day and we'll focus on the podcast. <laughs> I think that's a good answer to how are you as well. I feel the same way. My day has been fine, but this podcast is going to be great. <laughs> so let's just get right into it. Uh, our obsession this week is really fun because it is the Bee Gees. And just to give a little bit of background, uh, you and I uh, just watched that great documentary on HBO Max, uh, The Bee Gees, colon, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Uh, so we've got that on the brain. But also, we've been talking about doing this episode for a super long time because you've been legitimately obsessed on and off with The Bee Gees for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, that's a fair description? Yeah, and I think that's a very fair description, including the on and off. Okay. <laughs> we are always full of uh, uh, caveats, and one of them continues to be wanting to be really honest about our obsession levels. You and I <laughs> both do that, and then we're like, it's okay, you can just let yourself be obsessed. But then we're always like, but I want to give this caveat. And one of your caveats has been, when we've talked about this off air, that you your obsession has gone in in waves right yeah like there's certainly been probably years where i just haven't really thought about the bgs okay and then <laughs> i'm sorry uh but then there'll be even talk to me about the bgs but you, you weren't <laughs> focused on them right right and then but then something will come up or they'll come in my brain and then i'll think about them or want to listen to their music but there have been also times in my life where i was um legitimately obsessed okay oh man i can't wait to get into that and i feel like maybe with all of the talk and watching that documentary we might be heading into a new phase of obsession oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah i see it in the eyes okay (laughs) those are some intense eyes that's great so i want to start with the big picture what is your quick summary of who the bgs are i'm gonna go back to my classic aliens land they can understand english but they do not understand our culture and they're doing a survey and they come to you and they say, you human, who or what are the Bee Gees? Yes. So the Bee Gees, and I would like to clarify, the Bee Gees comes from Brothers Gibb. The initials for Brothers Gibb are a music group that uh, <laughs> started in the 60s and their brothers, three, the, the, main, um, the main three, and then there have been a few other um, drummers who've gone through and guitarists. And, uh, but the main three are brothers, uh, there's an older brother and then two two twins, and they've sung uh, just a wide variety of music um, throughout many decades. They you know they've been active uh, starting maybe before the '60s, but like really well known in the '60s all the way through into the '90s, um, and did a little bit in the 2000s, but but really um, all the way through, which is an amazing um, staying power for. Yeah for a pop group, um, you know, for lack of a a better term and, um, and really identified with different eras, I think in different ways. And I would also want to let the aliens know that, um, (laughs) (laughs) that they also are, um, have written a ton of songs that I think they don't, that isn't always recognized, um, how many like hits for other people they have written. 
Also, uh, I would like to clarify that many people only associate them with disco. And it is understandable why people have that association, but it is not the only thing they did. Okay. So not only did you give a nice, clear definition to the aliens (laughs) with uh, several just solid nouns, uh, uh, pop group songwriters, uh, but you also gave the aliens some caveats and some further reading. I mean, if the aliens and I are going to spend some time hanging out, (laughs) they need to get used to caveats. No, that's great. I really like that because it's kind of like the, you know, you're writing basically a, you know, a Wikipedia article for the aliens, like, but there are some hyperlinks to disco controversy and you should click on those aliens (laughs) and learn what's that all about. Uh, What is that all about? And we will click on those hyperlinks. Uh, But first, I want to go back to your, your personal journey with them now that you've talked to the aliens when and how did you discover the Bee Gees yeah so I was in seventh grade and my friend picture it we're doing my friend Sarah and I uh she spells her name with an h I do not um we were doing a um a project together for our music class and we had to everybody had to pick a group or find a song to do a report on and I honestly don't remember how we ended up with it. I mean, I'm sure like we had to like be, we were flipping through CDs at the school library or something. And we're like, oh, let's listen to this one. And the song that we heard was the single one from their album one, which came out um, either 89 or 90. I don't remember. But oh, like, wow. Late. So yeah. So that's, not, that's my intro to the Bee Gees is <laughs> not the things you think it is. It's um, the album, the single one. And then we listened to the album and then we did a report on the Bee Gees. But I think it was specifically about that album. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I am only familiar with the Metallica song one, which I, I would imagine is not the same song. I'm going to guess not. <laughs> uh, so what is the song one like or the album one like? What kind of musical style is it? Um, I am, caveat is my uh, pop soft rock, okay. that general direction. It's all like one, one, maybe you and I should be one. But that one, I, I, that, there you go. That's my version of what I remember from being okay. in seventh grade. But it was um, it was the single from that album that charted. Okay. Um, and both sides are like, we think we've heard this on the radio. Let's do let's do a thing about these people. Okay. Um, and then the thing that is has been a super fun lifelong thing since then is both Sarah and I became obsessed. <laughs> uh, so we shared an obsession, and then we went diving into the background of the Bee Gees. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm so fascinated by this fact that there is a report because sometimes when I talk to people about obsessions or when you and I talk about our obsessions, there isn't that just concrete origin story of (laughs) here is the singular event, literally one (laughs) we discovered. What kind of report was it? Was it write a report? Was it stand up in front of the class and tell them the history of the Bee Gees? Well, here's the thing. I don't remember. All I remember is the music. I think it was a presentation. That's probably a Bee Gees song. All I remember is the music, right? That <laughs> right? sounds like the title I mean, of a Bee Gees song. That's a lyric, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm pretty sure it was a presentation, but there was probably some sort of written element. And, I, you know, it might have just been based on the single because I think we all, you know, it was music class. So we played the, the song for our fellow students and then talked about the group. Okay is vaguely what I remember. Um, maybe maybe Sarah remembers it more. She can, she can listen and tell me. <laughs> so when you say you, you did research, you dived into the obsession, either for the report or just for yourself, how did you go about finding out more about the Bee Gees, right? Because this is 
pre Wikipedia, right? You couldn't yeah. just Google uh, the Bee Gees. So how did you research them? How did you express your newfound interest? Yeah, so we researched them by using that great tool called the library. <laughs> the what? <laughs> what now? Oh, the book house. Um, yes. The book house, um, where you check them out and bring them back. Uh, and I'm sure, I mean, it's the Bee Gees, so it isn't like we had picked some some super obscure band. Right. A little more obscure in, you know, that time period in Iowa. But um, but I'm sure there were books in our school library that we read or, you know, found magazine articles on microfiche or something. Microfilm. Microfiche the I don't know. Bee Gees. <laughs> but then what I really remember is we, um, I don't think, it wasn't the school library, but our city's library, had. there's a, a four-disc set that came out, I don't remember when, yeah. um, that was kind of an overview of their career. So we checked out a few of their um, albums, but then there was this four-disc set that also included um, a book with a lot of liner notes and oh, a lot wow. of information about their background and their early songs. Um, and so I, th- I think a lot of it was probably, you know, this was not t- lots and lots of sources, kind of, you know, big research project. This was like, <laughs> here, you have to do this. And it, today's Monday and it's due on Friday. So get it done. Yeah. And, and you said seventh grade? Seventh grade. Okay. Yeah. So a four disc set for, especially for a band like the Bee Gees that has really evolved with the times and changed their styles. Mm-hmm. That is a great, just uh, straightforward way to research. So you heard the song one. You mm-hmm. obviously liked it. What was the effect on your youthful obsession when you discovered that they had so many incredibly different styles of music? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just really liked listening to it. Um, and and I'm actually going to, to add a question caveat. I know it doesn't matter. I might have been in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> so All right, well, I'll stop and we can... <laughs> Start the recording again. I need to go look this up. No, just kidding. Uh, but the reason I think of it is one of the ways that it played out is I checked out this um, four disc set as well as a few of the um, the the actual like albums, like record albums, um, especially from some of their albums that come out in the seventies, and would listen to them and would record them onto cassette tapes. Sorry um, for illegally. recording things in the library um i think i hear sirens i know right and i bought their high civilization uh which i believe was the next thing that came out after one so i bought that probably not right when it came out but their cd when that came out and i was like woohoo let's go back to your legal activity for a moment the tapes (laughs) so was it that you you checked out the cds and then you recorded them on cassette so you could have them or Mm -hmm. were you like making mixtape like i want one song to flow to the next. Oh, no. I was just recording them because sometimes other people checked them out and I couldn't just constantly check out the CDs. <laughs> but um, I don't know that our other friend group understood. Like, they were like, okay, whatever. Sarah and Sarah, do what you think. Was it? Do what you need. But okay. this, this goes somewhere fun. Great. Um, so another friend of mine... Uh, April, she and I have birthdays back to back. So we often have birthday parties together. And one year we had a birthday party at my house. And I think this was in ninth grade, which is why I suddenly decided maybe this was eighth grade. Um, And one of the things that I decided that we needed to have for our birthday party was to play the Bee Gees in the background for most of the night. (laughs) One of the things we need (laughs) is to play the Bee Gees all night. Why did you want that? Is it just like the normal, it's my birthday and I want to 
you know, be surrounded by things that I love, which I think is, you know, great and, and, uh, normal. (laughs) Uh, or was it more that you wanted other people to hear and understand and feel the magic of the Bee Gees? Oh, all of the above. I mean, they were like, it wasn't like sit and listen to the music. You can't talk. (laughs) Um, but we, you know, other things cycled through as well. Um, and a wide, we had a very wide variety of music, you know, everything from, 90s bands to the Bee Gees and going back and forth but I think one of the things that I really liked was um the variety because I loved being able to to jump from um you know some of the early 60s stuff which really wasn't as well known at least among people my age Uh, none of it was but um at that time yeah I think that had kind of been lost because because of this disco stamp that had got put on them so jumping to songs that sound like these were very much put out at the same time as the Beatles to things that were like these absolute like dance beat disco things to these very soft stuff soft rock things that were put out in the 90s I just enjoyed that like absolute variety yeah okay yeah that make that makes a ton of sense and you know I imagine that you coming from a singing background as as we've discussed you know being in musicals and being in choir uh how much of your initial just obsession with the music was the uh, sheer <laughs> uh, beauty of their voices? I mean, so I probably originally liked their voices because to me, their voices were kind of weird. <laughs> and I say that with all the love in my heart. Um, but they're not your standard voices. No. At all. And you know when you're listening to them. And I loved that. Like, I I mean, I liked, I'll be honest, like, I, I liked things that were like, ooh, this is weird. I like it. Like, often that was an instigator for me to like something. Okay. So that, I don't know, remember that being part of it, but that might have been part of it. Um, and just, I mean, you know, everything from, you know, depending on who's singing, they have, they both meld so well together and have such different vocal qualities. And then when you get into when they all start doing all the crazy falsetto you know, so I enjoyed that, but I wouldn't say that was like the number one factor. Okay. How did you feel about other music? Like if you had friends who liked the more clearly popular at the time contemporary music, were you into that music too? Or were you mm-hmm. fine? Was it this like, I'm going to be a rebel. I'm going to like the Bee Gees. <laughs> well, I mean, through high school, my I often listened to the oldies station. Okay. Um, So I was already kind of a fan of the oldies, but I mean, I was very up right up there with some of the things that were popular at the time um you know green day trip trip shakespeare okay uh you know tori amos wide variety of <laughs> types of- from trip shakespeare to tori amos i think is is a it's a fine and lovely trip uh so um did you listen to them at a certain time or with a certain activity like i mean you mentioned the birthday party uh m- makes perfect sense but when I think of my own relationship to music when I was that age, you know, I, certain music I wanted to listen to while I was doing homework or certain music I wanted to listen to uh, when no one else was home and I could blare it. You know, did you have for your own personal enjoyment of the Bee Gees, you know, what what uh, what life activities were they the soundtrack to? Oh, gosh, I I don't remember. I think I probably listened to them mainly on headphones because I don't think that my family shared my enthusiasm. <laughs> um, 
I I didn't listen to music when I was doing homework. I couldn't oh, concentrate. Wow. Yeah, okay. No, I I just did my homework way into the night. <laughs> <laughs> so then, did you, would you listen to? Uh, because this I, I, this is a, a a a funny advantage sometimes I have when I'm interviewing you compared to when I interview other people on Obsessed. <laughs> I know that you uh, were a, a homework hound, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you did lots of homework late into the night. And I've heard uh, various stories. So that's part of where I'm coming from. Is did you make time for the Bee Gees? Did you uh, stay up after you were done with your homework? Oh. No, because I also <laughs> liked to sleep, and it was like three hours before I had to get up to go to choir. <laughs> okay, well then, did you listen to BJ's when you're getting ready for school in the morning? No, we weren't. We, I, I wasn't that fancy. <laughs> <laughs> then, did you um, listen to the BJ's on the weekend? I mean, I'm sure I did. I, I honestly, it's so funny. I don't remember. I can remember sometimes sitting. You know, like so. You know, our our family had a stereo system that was in the living room, and I remember sitting sometimes and listening to things on the stereo system probably with headphones on yeah um and i think that's part of why my obsession you know it came and went and probably by 10th grade i was on to other things okay then you know later when i was driving probably had a cassette that i had recorded like oh i should listen to some bgs that would be fun so it kind of it very much came and went i didn't have like my like this is when i listen to music time okay okay so but at different points in life bgs were driving music Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see how that would have a calming effect if traffic was bad. Oh, I mean, <laughs> this is <laughs> driving in Iowa. So uh, I would say more like, that would be like, you know, some of the good disco music would be good for highway, oh. highway driving. Okay, yes. Staying alive on the highway. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. Staying alive on the Iowa highway. Um, it's fine if if this question is is you can just say skip if this question is not for you because <laughs> this is uh, coming from my own personal experience and I'm curious yeah. for you. I when I think back, I think a lot of the music that I listened to, you know, as a teen and a young adult that was formative for me, it was a fulfilling a kind of specific emotional or developmental need. Like when I think about the way I listened to Beatles. It was a um, confirmation that other people were like creative or weird, right? Mm. Like, because some of the Beatles, like I remember the White Album in particular, I was fascinated with that album because it's so eclectic and would have songs that are like just mournful, and then like kind of you know edgier rock songs, and then and then songs that are just like almost like we this is a joke. And I think I, you know, I, I, that was a fulfillment of, of a need for creativity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my obsession with Guns N' Roses was feeling, you know, young and frustrated and trapped. And it was an expression of, you know, uh, a desire to get out and engage with the world and in, in, in an expression of anger. Mm-hmm. You know, um, once as a young person, I got into Sinatra. I loved the, the celebratory swing stuff, but I needed the saloon songs when mm-hmm. I first heard Sinatra. I it I we talked about this when we did the Sinatra obsessed. It was a revelation that music could express exactly that kind of just destroyed heartbreak that I was feeling at that time for various reasons. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if the Bee Gees uh, uh, matched any emotional need. Wow, um, I would. I certainly didn't think about it that way at the time. Yeah, and I wasn't either. I wasn't like, ah, yes, I am angry. Therefore, I shall listen to Welcome to the Jungle. It was just the music I listened to. It's only in retrospect that it made sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I think 
honestly, a little bit of what I was saying before about the, the wide variety. Um, the, it's a, I liked some of the songs that, you know, to me at that time, how I characterized them were things like, this is a little weird. And I like that, Hmm. um, because I felt a little weird and, you know, therefore (laughs) weird things are okay. For example, like (laughs) I started a joke is just kind of like, it's an amazing song. I love that song, but it's also, it's not going to be your standard thing that's playing on the top 40, at least at the time period that I was listening to the top 40. I think it actually did chart when it came out. Um, But, and so for me hearing things like that, that was, it was just nice to have something that was a little bit different from, you know, the Madonna and Whitney Houston and other things that I would actually was listening to concurrently with Bee Gees. Yeah. Um, And, you know, kind of, which I, nothing against any of them either. Um, So I would say that's really what it is. I think over the years I've um, identified with maybe different songs or different times in their lives because I've been in different places in my life. Yeah. I think by the time I was needing other things like, the anger and the angst I had moved on to other groups that okay. provided those opportunities for me. <laughs> Plenty of those, but those are other podcasts. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I would like to do those. Um, the, I started a joke that started the whole world crying, right? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. So am I right in thinking that is a melancholy song? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is kind of what I, so I remember seeing that song the name of that song on um you know and that's one of those songs that came out in the 60s so on the earlier side of their career and i remember seeing the title of it on this four disc set and we're like "Ooh, what's that and then it was not at all what i expected it to be (laughs) because you know i started a joke which started the whole world crying i started to cry which started the whole world laughing i don't remember the exact words but like it's always something a little bit different and it was just kind of like what is this this is amazing it was kind of like that i don't know like when you see something that's modern art and you're like and you realize i love other kinds of art but also look at this this can be saying something in a different kind of way yeah and that's how i felt about that song yeah that makes a lot of sense to me and you know not to generalize too much but i feel like in the in the early 90s a a lot of the very popular music has you know anger or angst or you know drama but that specific kind of 60s 70s melancholy mm-hmm. i think is not a mood that was on offer in modern music yeah so that would make sense that you found you know felt like you found like kind of an emotional tone of like i am not hearing this from tori amos mm-hmm. <laughs> no offense to tori amos fans i'm not a tori amos expert and maybe she's got some great a melancholy songs. I don't know. Oh, she definitely has the melancholy songs. Okay. But a little bit different. Um, and the other thing, just tying back to uh, something that we talked about before, I was this was also peak listening to a lot of musicals, soundtracks. Okay. You know, so Cats, Les Mis, things like that. Um, okay. Like the big, big musicals at the same time. So that yeah. Was like, so that kind of folds it all together. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. So, you know, as you, you get older and you go through different uh, Bee Gees uh, phases, any particular uh, other explosion of obsession of, that was like, ooh, this was a big Bee Gees time? Um, honestly, when the first one died. Okay. Uh, because I hadn't really been thinking about them. Morris died in 2004. 
three, I believe. I think that's what the documentary said, yes. Totally unexpectedly. Um, and I f- just was like, what? This can't, no. Like, I was devastated. Yeah. And um, was later, you know, and then instantly had to be like, Sarah, have you heard? <laughs> Jumping back to this. And she's like, I, I yelled at my TV. I can't believe this. So then I think kind of out of nostalgia and also kind of going like, oh, goodness, people die i need to listen to this you know well we've still got two and um so then i think i went and i i had gone through some mini phases before that um but i think that kicked me into another phase also yeah i can relate to that uh from my love of the beastie boys Um, Mm. i think there's something very specific about when a group has been a combination of specific voices and the Beastie Boys, are, you know, were not around as long as the Bee Gees, but they also had that. There are phases. They evolved. Totally. And when, when a group has phases and evolves, it, it gives them this sense of like, well, they're just going on the journey of the world through me, you know, with me, mm-hmm. you know? So how could, but, but they're going to evolve again. How can they not? You know, that I was really affected yeah. uh, by the Beastie Boys. You know, uh, uh, when when the member passed, yeah, uh, that, yeah. So so that makes a lot of sense how you would react so strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you, in your listening over the years, have a favorite era or style of music, or even one favorite song that's like this is? Uh, they're all great, but this is the one. You know, I have been thinking about a favorite song for days. Knowing we're going to talk about this, <laughs> and every time I think about it, I come up with a new one. Um, I it's it is not the style of song that I usually like, but just from the primus, the being the first thing that I found, I will always have a super soft spot in my heart for one. Okay, um, which I will play for you after this is done, <laughs> so you can hear it, and you'll be like, "Yes, that's not usually your first top choice of music." Um, so that is always going to have a, a giant place in my heart. Um, I started a joke, has has always been there. I mean, I'm just going to start listening. So the answer is no. I don't have like a primary era or because I I knew, I I think in some way, and, and this is not coming from a, a musical standpoint, this is coming from my, my personal experience. I really liked a lot of their stuff that came out in the early 90s. But then I also was like, but I... I personally don't think it's as good, mm-hmm. but I still like it. And it wasn't just nostalgia. I think it was just like it was diff- very different from other music that I was listening to as part of it. Um, so, yeah, no, I've had I've had times when I've liked nearly every single era. Of OK. Yeah. And now that you have a little bit of hindsight, how, how would you categorize their 90s music? Do you feel like they were trying to catch up with the 90s in any way or were they just continuing to explore for themselves with their own unique you know voices uh literally yeah i would say much more the latter that okay. they were they were doing their thing um you know finding a, a sound that would sell for that time period but they weren't trying to be like the new top it group of the 90s i mean i'm sure they would love that yeah who wouldn't but um yeah i mean there are a few songs that i I've been like, eh, I'm not sure about that one. Um, but yeah, I don't, I feel like it was just kind of their next evolution. They just yeah. kept evolving, which I, and now kind of in retrospect being, being older and 
taking, you know, watching the documentary and just thinking a lot more about their career and the transition and all the different groups that they're compared to over the years. Um, I just find that continual evolution to be part of what now fascinates me about them. Yeah. That, even more so than then. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. In the, well, I, I'll guess I'll ask from any perspective, at any point in your BG's journey, did you have a favorite brother? Ooh. <laughs> um. No. <laughs> that was like a roller coaster that goes all the way top to the top of the dive and then like, nah. Uh, were you trying to, to feel if you did have one or did, did you once have one and don't want to say it? Oh, no. I was trying to feel if I once had one. I, I mean, I, yeah, because there's, I'm like, I could say it for all of them and it's really not. It's all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and that makes uh, total sense. Uh, they are uh, literally, you know, in, in harmony. <laughs> it's not even a metaphor, right? It's a literal <laughs> thing that happened uh, when they sang. Um, so the the BJs, the BGs, I don't know who the BJs are. It's been a long day. The BGs were the butt of a lot of jokes in the 80s, in the 90s. And, you know, that's how I was aware of them. I, mm-hmm. I was aware of them as the soft rock and the disco and high pitched and, and things that I didn't personally gravitate toward, but that were also kind of the target of, you know, you, you want to joke to make fun of music you don't like, you know, in my social circles, that was going to be country or something like the Bee Gees, right? Um, there's a lot about the seventies aesthetic that was really funny to, you know, my social groups growing up. So even like hairstyles and clothing styles, um, were you aware of that? It sounds like some of your social circle was like, what are you doing with your Bee Gees obsession? But how how aware were you that a lot of people were really kind of vicious to them in the 80s and 90s? Um, I would say it, it varied. I think at first I was pretty adamant of like, I don't care. I I hear that people don't like this group and... <laughs> they're wrong <laughs> um and i'm gonna stand up for them and they're not just what you think they are yeah so i think i did have a little bit of that like i'm gonna stand up for the downtrodden bgs uh but then as, as i got older i became very careful honestly about where and when i mentioned that i was like not like super careful but i'm sure that there were times when i wasn't sure that that was who I would mention as my favorite group. Right. Um, was that more of just you didn't, you you chose when you wanted to engage in this, when you wanted to have the Bee Gees conversation? Yeah. 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 It wasn't about, it, I mean, it wasn't about being ashamed of it or anything like that. It was just kind of, it, some people would understand, some people wouldn't care. Some people would make fun of me and not that that was a reason not to do it, but sometimes it was because I would want to say more and I didn't have time. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I do not have time <laughs> to educate you on the Bee Gees, so we're just not going to get into that today. Yep. <laughs> so today you get a different answer. Uh, and, you know, I, I I usually, like, I don't tend to have favorites of most things, as you know, because we are partner friends. Um, but usually if I had to give a favorite band or, you know, group or singer, um they are often who would come to mind. Yeah. Even during the years when I wasn't listening to them at all and hadn't listened to them for like two years. So it'd be like, well, the Bee Gees. 
Oh, yeah, I haven't listened to them for two years, but they're still my favorite. Um, <laughs> but I had some others that I, you know, would throw in there over the years. And, and certainly there were times, um, you know, like college, I think I was way more distracted with other groups. So those were probably the ones that would have been my top choices at that time. Yeah. Just like curiosity, like uh, what what kind of groups were those? Oh, you know, like um, Indigo Girls. There was a, a folk group called Story Hill. Okay. Um, I can't even remember who else now. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, very good to know. Yeah. Because <laughs> I haven't asked you about that. But yeah, no, I remember early on in uh, our being partner friends uh, and then partner spouses um, that, yeah, the, the Bee Gees would come up as, yeah, they're my band. Yeah. They're my thing. I was trying to remember when you first heard me say that and what your reaction was since your awareness of the Bee Gees was more anti-disco. Yeah, and well, I was very happy for you to say like, "Here's my thing," because I'm sure it came in early conversations out of like, uh, "I really like Frank Sinatra, I really like Guns N' Roses; those are the two that I always talk about. I like many other bands, but those mm-hmm. are you know some of the formative uh, experiences." And I remember being happy and wanting to understand. And I know at different points in our relationship, you've played me one or two songs, and I've been like, "I like that, okay," but I've never understood them until very very recently Mm -hmm. and like i finally when we watched that documentary got some of the keys i needed (laughs) to get past some of the baggage i grew up with and and unlock a a better understanding of them which is going to make me appreciate the music more Mm -hmm. so uh i'm excited yeah (laughs) yeah no to move into a bg's future together yay no that's fantastic and i i in a different way, understand that because I had a lot of friends who really liked Guns N' Roses, but they were never my favorite band. I didn't have baggage about them, but I would say I didn't fully understand it until we went to a Guns N' Roses concert together. And then I was like, oh, yes, all in. Oh, wow. That is so great. I'm extremely happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not that you didn't uh, say that before, but, you know, I think part of it for me was I so uh, went through uh the phase, particularly in high school, junior high and high school, in high school, I played uh, drums in that rock band and uh, even did some some singing. <laughs> uh, and a lot of that, one of the concerts that we did, the, the band that I was in, yeah, there was a whole thing where uh, the high school had wanted to do like a musical review and the one of the music teachers was trying to lead it and a bunch of kids showed up and the music teacher asked me to do the drums because nobody had signed up for that and I was really uh pleased and I, I think we had a couple rehearsals and then the other kids kind of flaked out and then the school had already kind of set aside an evening where there was gonna be a concert so like does your band want to do a concert so you know I really wanted us to do like this high concept concert mm-hmm. which was like a, a history of rock and roll uh and that's just is it a way to kind of show my mindset right Mm -hmm. and for me it's like the the beatles the the doors the rolling stones led zeppelin you know that leads to some of the kind of early metal stuff which then at the time was like well but then that leads to guns and roses and metallica and kind of and then nirvana was (laughs) you know uh just emerging at that point and i kept Every time I would hear a different Bee Gees song, 
And we're like, okay, well, disco, yeah. But then they got this other stuff. It's like, with that, how does that fit in? It kind of sounds Beatles, but like from my frame of reference, from the groups that I would hear them compared to, every time I hear, heard a Bee Gees song, I was like, well, when's the beat going to drop? <laughs> when's the tempo going to pick up? Where, when are they going to sound closer to these bands that I always hear them kind of listed with? Mm-hmm. And I think that was just my sort of misunderstanding of them. Mm, yeah you know and this this a just listening to some of their earlier stuff that is that you can hear the connection to 60s rock you can hear the connection to the beatles much better and then having the documentary just (laughs) take my hand and pat me on the head and go (laughs) here's who the bgs were here's what they thought here's the music they were expressing then it's like oh i was trying to make them fit into a part of music history that they don't entirely they weren't ever trying to be a a part of Mm -hmm. so then it's like oh okay that they made more sense to me yeah does that make sense that's fantastic yeah absolutely that makes a lot of sense yes yeah yeah awesome well let's get into then some of the things that we've learned mostly me (laughs) (laughs) in the last couple days yeah so this weekend we watched on saturday Mm -hmm. saturday night fever and then on sunday that great bg's documentary so we had never seen Saturday Night Fever before, either of us, right? No. How do you feel then about these songs, the the Bee Gees' most famous songs, right? Because the the monster hits and the things that made them uh, a huge part. Not that their other songs weren't hits, but they, you know, made a real point of that in the documentary about they had many hits, and the hits from Saturday Night Fever eclipsed them all. The monster hits mm-hmm. and the really famous disco ones, uh, you know, "Staying Alive," "You Should Be Dancing," "Night Fever." How did it change your appreciation of those songs by finally seeing the context of oh, the film? Yeah, I mean, that was fascinating because I think I had maybe slightly misremembered what I had read um, just kind of over the years. Like it had become my own, um, you know, had my own internal headcanon mm-hmm. was that I was thinking that some a lot of that more of the songs had existed independently of the movie than did. And that they were used in the movie. And now I know that they were, many of them were written for the movie, but not with having seen the movie, just with being told, hey, write us some disco songs, basically. <laughs> um, so so I kind of had the, a little bit different um, approach to them. And then it was really interesting to see how they actually came together for this. And, you know, as even coming as far as, you know, providing the part of the title for the movie. Yeah. Um, but honestly, one of the things that shocked me the most about the use of the songs within the film is that they weren't more present. Yeah. Which maybe is a weird thing to say to anybody who has watched the film and is like, uh, Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> opening credits, staying alive, and giant dance break. Uh, you know, we've got them throughout this entire thing. Um, but I don't know. There was something about they just were used a little bit differently. I think I expected more of them to be used in the the disco like dance floor setting mm. as and some of them were but many of them were not they were used how songs are in movies which is to portray like you know bigger themes and ideas throughout the movie not just when you're on the dance floor yeah it gave that impression that at that moment in new york city the the world was permeated yeah by the sound of disco by the sound of the Bee Gees. yeah yeah, and I i mean, I, I think I had seen the opening, at least part of the opening, you know, like walking down the street with the Stayin' Alive beat coming in. Yeah. Um, 
which just I love. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, staying alive, I think for me, uh, there's a ton of great discoveries in the last several days uh-huh. <laughs> as we watch this and, and prep for this podcast. Uh, staying alive for me was the one that was the biggest, you know, the ha 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 is a that, that's a joke in the pointing that John Travolta does. That That is a joke. It's, disco's funny. That's the way I, I grew up with that mm-hmm. baggage. You know, and I've heard saying live at different times, and I'm sure I've danced to it. And like, eh, you know, when everybody's dancing and having fun, um, but to really appreciate it m- musically, mm-hmm. not and it is the context of the the movie that made me appreciate it, but also just musically, just how great that guitar hook is at the beginning. Um, but then, and also, yes, putting it in the context of the movie, that it is absolutely this just great blistering dance track uh but also that the lyrics are also about this you know gritty a gritty time and and a rough time for new york and a hard time staying alive yeah i mean (laughs) literally (laughs) and and really you know disassociating that from the mockery of disco that i grew up just surrounded by Mm -hmm. that and able to really appreciate it and, and hear it hear it anew all these years later it was really cool and really powerful yeah and did you feel like this was one of the first times you were able to hear those songs as songs within their context as opposed to as songs that had baggage and that you'd heard as a joke before yeah no i definitely i think there's a part of me just in general the last several years because of falling into the world of talking about pop culture you know everything from podcasts to youtube shows to even just tweeting about pop culture more that i really want to re-examine assumptions that i've made because i realize how often uh i i think this is a truth for myself and i think this is a truth for many people that we sit down with the preconceived notions and we judge art based on whether or not it matches a list we have made in our head (laughs) and i really love watching things uh and sometimes it's things you love and you want specific things out of a sequel and then it didn't do those things and then you're mad at it. Or then sometimes you watch something that you know all of these, you have all of these these seven preconceived notions from uh, culture without actually knowing the source material. Mm-hmm. So I really ha- make an effort to say, I want to throw my mind open and, and listen to it like it's brand new and what is the song trying to accomplish? What is the movie trying to accomplish? You know, what baggage did people have or not have when this was made? Uh, so I try to do that in general. I don't always succeed. But that was really the mission of this weekend for me. <laughs> of I'm going to, you know, let go of all preconceived notions and throw my mind open to Saturday Night Fever and to this documentary about the Bee Gees. And I got so much more out of them uh, from having uh, my mind wide open. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you and I, I think, were both uh, surprised that Saturday Night Fever, the movie, on one hand, is absolutely all about disco. It's wall-to-wall from the fashion to the club to the dancing to the music that is internal to the film to the music that is the soundtrack to the film. Uh, but then also it is this incredibly rough coming of age story in a society absolutely built on toxic masculinity with a sensitive character in the middle who doesn't even know that he is trapped in an 
utter prison of toxic masculinity. So on one hand, the film is like, it could not be more disco. It is why it is known as that film. Mm-hmm. Then it, but just like the plot, it felt like you could remove the disco and set it in a different time and a different era and a lot of the themes and the ideas it would still track. Yeah. How did that affect your 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 thinking about the 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 BGs themselves about the sort of like they are tied to this movie forever? Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think maybe that's that's part of what was really interesting to me because because there what you think of when you hear the name if you've only seen the album cover with you know the BGs in their white sparkly suits and John Travolta pointing. Um, you have this idea of like, yeah, everybody's dancing and it's, you know, the dirt and the sweat and the grime, that's from the dance floor. And the dirt and the sweat and the grime of that movie is from a lot of places, <laughs> <laughs> largely not from the dance floor, uh, like you just said. And I was um, I was really surprised because I was just because I feel like Saturday Night Fever is a thing that you hear about, but only in terms of disco and not in terms of the the depth and the weight of that film. And so I was just really surprised about what gets lost in time. Yes. Um, and in this game of telephone for people, I mean, obviously people who've seen it, no. But as people talk about it to people who haven't seen it, that is not part of it that got conveyed. Um, yeah, I was certainly aware of like, oh, the weight and the importance, but I thought it was as, as a cultural document, not as like... You know, my experience of watching it was like, oh, this uh, this funny John Travolta points movie <laughs> is way heavier and upsetting than I realized. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, now that I say it, I feel like somewhere in the back of my mind at some points was like, yep, that one's, you know, it's a heavy one. Yeah. Like, oh. But um, yeah, I don't think I answered your question, though, about the BGs. Sorry. Yeah, I guess. Did it change in any way, uh, give you any new perspective on the Bee Gees in any way? Um, just watching the film, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I still like them. Yeah. It made I me still ap- like that music. Yeah. It made me appreciate the music more of kind of putting it in its time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, the part of that movie that is joyful, that idea that the disco was many things, but one of them was an escape from people having a hard time and, and seeing just... The joy and I think the the documentary, which we'll talk about uh, next, did a ton of this too. But just remembering how much of that music is about joy and escape, and how much that's in the music if you if you let it affect you that way. Yeah, yeah, and I would say how much of it is about <laughs> it's about dancing. You should be dancing, <laughs> as the song title goes. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, but I really feel like it that the the infectious enthusiasm that to me I have had for a very long time in response to those songs um, of like, yeah, you want to get up on the dance floor. Yeah, you just got to move and you just you just forget what else is going on in the world. And it's your place to, you know, escape and move yeah. and get in your body. And all of those things could also be titles for songs and i can't help but dance right now while i'm talking about it so i'm moving a lot and i won't knock over my glass of water i promise um but i feel like it's very uh it's a really interesting actually i i'm gonna take it back i think it's a really interesting balance against the the context of the film and the music and i feel like 
it it draws it out even more. So I think it does give me even more appreciation for it. And it's I really liked those songs before, but it really um, accentuates the like, ah, ah, ah. like you're, you're up there and you're dancing and you're moving, and you're shaping your hips and you're, yeah. you're pointing your fingers and real life still comes into the club, but it also gives you an escape. Yeah. Um, as opposed to kind of the depths of everything else that people are dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. To just be able to, to feel the music in context. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about that documentary because it was a real one, two punch of understanding for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so it, it really, the documentary did a bunch of great things, but it really showed how the Bee Gees were caught up in the hatred of disco in, in particular, which I hadn't understood and honestly had to kind of process for myself, a sort of orchestrated attack on disco. Um, does that make you appreciate the Bee Gees more? How did you feel about that part of the documentary that really showed that, you know, uh, spoilers uh, for the documentary, but the documentary really showed this contrast between the Bee Gees had this even surprise level of, of hit to them and are off touring and having fun sharing their joyful music with crowds who chose to be there. And then in direct contrast to that, this, uh, you know, DJ kind of proto shock jock in Chicago organizing disco sucks events and wanting to smash and burn records. And, Oh, the, that was, there's a lot of clear attack on black music and queer music and black and queer society within that. And then the Bee Gees get attached to that because they're, you know, on like you know good rock they're singing in their high pretty voices with their sparkly shirts and there's just like there's so much anger and so much gross baggage to it Mm -hmm. in contrast to these uh fabulous musicians are uh, sharing some joy uh so that really affected me i wanted to ask you about that yeah i so i mean i i did not know nearly the extent of it i knew i mean i knew that there's a backlash against disco but i'd never taken the time to look into it or think about it beyond that of like oh yes you know like things move on and also that's one of the ones that had like I feel like some things people move on from and just move to the next thing and some things especially if they have such a high peak people really react against and disco was one of those things that really had that reaction against and I knew that but I hadn't looked into it or thought about it more so I was fascinated um, and horrified at how much um, at all of the baggage that it was coming from all of the places of hatred, not truly against disco, but against um, some of the communities that had been kind of the original founders of disco before the Bee Gees were part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and it just, it made, it makes me extra sad. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that, that was, you know, horrifying for me, uh, partially just to process, like I grew up in that, but I also like, you know, was really in the camp of, yeah, disco sucks. And it was really affecting to realize, like, you know, there are still lots of things where I feel like I was caught up in uh, societal propaganda. In some of that, I've been able to, like, recognize over the years and kind of try to, you know, rip out the wiring Mm -hmm. and see things differently because I want to. And that was just a really effective one. Because for me, when I was growing up and I heard disco, it was just like, it was that old music with the funny sounds, with the the funny clothes. Uh, the the documentary talks about Disco Duck, which I remember. And was just like, it's, it's a weird, silly thing. And 
you know, as I started to develop musical tastes, you know, my natural musical taste is I like kind of bassier, lower sounds. Mm -hmm. So disco obviously has some of those, but there's some very high pitch sounds. (laughs) There's some bright high pitches in disco. And I, so I had a natural like, ah, just like I didn't like any like sitcom that was like too patent safe. Disco is like bright, giddy, safe, not you know not edgy and real and dark you know mm-hmm. uh so i i disliked it for myself from that perspective but then it's it's really weird to to realize oh well that was also propagated onto me by society who had uh, a vested interest in disco failing and being reviled mm-hmm. in order to take power away from specific communities mm-hmm. now i mean yeah, it, that was a lot to process uh, while also r- at the same time processing this great story of the Bee Gees where like we just love music. We love experimenting. Uh, we discovered Barry's falsetto. So we wanted to play with that. We didn't set out to do quote unquote disco. This is where our musical and, you know, experiments were taking us. You know, we hadn't even seen the film. We just wrote music that it was kind of just do a song like this. Cool. Great. We'll do a song like that. It happens to gel absolutely perfectly with the film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we become the biggest thing for uh, five minutes until mountains of anger are <laughs> foisted on us. And from our perspective, all we were doing is experimenting musically. Yeah. You know, that was, that, that was really affecting. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I hadn't thought about this until right now as we were talking, but I feel like in some of my early, you know, kind of like 90s, when I would say, oh, yeah, I like the Bee Gees. Sometimes the response um, would be like, you know, like, oh, that's weird or oh, that's old. Um, But sometimes it was a little bit the like, well, that's not good American music, which I kind of forgotten about. And I'm wondering like, Hey, wait a second. Um, hey, fair enough. Where's were, the, where's the, were, I mean, they're, they're from America. That's, so that's fine. True. That's fine. That's but, true. Yeah. But like, but I had kind of forgot that at least a few people had a little bit of that reaction and whether they realized where that was coming from or not. But yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to just dwell on the, um, the negative of that, uh, documentary. What did you, get out of it's a wonderful march through their career that is just it's a very artful documentary that does you know provide uh perspective and emotion and and goes through the ups and downs of the career in life but also just really walks you through their musical career and why they shifted styles when they did and you know what they were trying to accomplish all these different uh, points of view yeah what did you get out of it how did it affect your love of the Bee Gees? Oh, my gosh. I mean, really, all I want to do is watch it again. <laughs> um, I thought it was fantastic. I I have ever since I heard that it was coming out, I have been looking forward to it and have been on an upswing in my BG's current obsession level. And I didn't realize that there is that much um, footage of them. So for people who have not seen it, there is, to me, an astonishing amount of footage of them in recording studios, you know, like in the 60s and 70s and you know I for myself I came you know they were a pre-existing band and I was enjoying what had happened there wasn't the internet and so it isn't like 
I could just go watch them on MTV or I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't have MTV. So yeah. who knows if they had videos for their current songs, but I couldn't look them up on YouTube. I couldn't follow them on social media. And so for me, one of the absolute treasures of that documentary is getting to see them interact with each other, getting to see them in the recording studio, figuring things out. Um, I told you this after we watched it, but there's a video of the, the recording session where they're working on the song Tragedy, which comes out um, for the album right after Saturday Night Fever. And I, th- I think it's very, it's like, ooh, let's try the piano just a little bit different way. Um, I think it was Blue Weaver was playing the piano at that point. And he's like, oh, what about this? And and it's it's what that song is known for. And to see it there, like, I was, I lost it. That was um, one of my favorite moments of the viewing experience because you were like, what? And you looked at me and I was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't know why that's a, a an amazing moment. And then you explained to me afterwards. Yeah. It's like, that's the moment that that song just became that song. And it's just, yeah, that's always affecting, right? When you hear these uh, decisions, you know, that you, you've lived with these decisions forever, like they're chiseled in stone and they have been since the dawn of time. Yeah. And then you just watch humans go, what if I did this? Yeah. <laughs> and that contrast between how set in stone it is to you versus, yeah, but it was this fluid thing that somebody came up with. And sometimes art is created out of long, tortured process. And sometimes somebody's like, what if I uh, tried it this way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it, so that was kind of I mean there's so many things that I think it was so well done both you and I commented on um so when they made the documentary only one of the brothers is still living and I loved his setup of this is these are the things that are important to me that I remember this is my take on it I'm sure my brothers would have had a different take yeah and I just I love that um you know I think also as a student of history just really that realization that these are the things that spoke to me. This is my opinion and my version of it. But then throughout it, they've got um, footage from other um, interviews with the other brothers. And so that was, I mean, the studio footage and also just the um, the interviews to me because I just haven't, maybe it's existed and I just haven't looked at it because I haven't been on that obsession kick for a while. Yeah. Um, was just like, Sarah, do you want a treasure chest? Here. <laughs> Here it is. Look at, oh, and then there's more. There's another layer to the treasure chest. Oh, take off the lid and there's another layer. <laughs> like it just, I'm beyond words. Yeah. Yeah. The absolute skill of that documentary and that focus that is a mixture of the absolutely personal, but also like we're following the musical journey and we're following the moments that they made musical choices in, in the collaborator, collaborators that they truly spent time with. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, the person who was their drummer for two years can be you know, on a normal documentary, like a footnote, but like they really took the time to introduce you to everyone. Yeah. Because they, those are the people that the BGs spent time with. They were, you know, the part of their life. Yeah. I think the thing that really affected me and one of the keys that just sort of unlocked for me to hear the BGs differently is the way the documentary presented them as these three brothers who started singing and and doing music and creating music and writing songs from an extremely young age. And they came up at around the same time as the Beatles, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, and this desire to just create music. And obviously they talk a lot about how they wanted to be famous, Mm -hmm. but as the documentary goes on, it, 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 it was strangely different 
because a lot of the behind the music things or documentaries are, they follow a very similar trajectory. And obviously the Bee Gees have some of that too, that they acknowledge of, you know, Hey, we broke up. We, we fought, we got back together. There was some drugs. We, we wrestled with that. All that stuff is there, but there's this consistent through line of really though, we just want to be making music in whatever way we can. And fame is a vehicle by which to do that. Mm-hmm. And that that was a through line. And in particular, that moment where they kind of just couldn't get work because the, the disco backlash was so horrific and they were the, you know, one of the poster bands for it. Mm-hmm. And that part of the documentary, like, so they segued into just songwriting for other people and then list like like five or six massively famous, hugely successful songs like, and then they knocked this one out and then mm-hmm. they knocked that one out. You know, and that's such a... I'm sure that similar things have happened to other other creators before, but that was just that moment of, it's not about, it wasn't, it didn't feel like in the documentary was presented that that was about clinging to fame. It was about, we are determined to continue making music. Mm-hmm. And if the way we can do that is to segue into being the best songwriters in the business, well, then we're at least still making music. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's very clear throughout. Um, and even even early on in there, I liked that they included that too, that, um, you know, early on some of their songs, their manager was like, I want you to write a song for this person. I want you to write a song for this person as part of their making music. But yeah, I feel like that very much was underlined of we just want to keep making music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think the the fact that, you know, they had this long-term relationship with the manager and several beats throughout the documentary, like, our manager asked us to write a song like this or do a song like this, so we did. Yeah. And obviously, they're they're writing from a place of passion and, and, and write about life experiences and real emotions and all that, but there's also just that, like, <laughs> I don't know, there's this great hungry, hungry hippo, like, we don't care, just give us... Give us a challenge because we just want to make music. Oh, and yeah. And that to me just, it unlocks so much to just sit down to every every song and not everyone's going to be for me, but I'll enjoy a lot more just knowing that like, this is just another experimentation. This is just another, what can we do with our voices? What can we do with that keyboard? What mm-hmm. harmony haven't we tried before? You know, what yeah. kind of lyrics haven't we tried before? Let's play. Yeah. That's such a great entry point to uh to a a, a wide catalog of music. Yeah. Like they have. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point. Yeah. Sorry, I'm becoming uh more obsessed <laughs> as we go along. Um I have another question for you. Okay. Are you ready? If you could travel back in time and work with the Bee Gees in any way, what would you want to do with the Bee Gees? Would oh you my want to gosh. sing? Would you want to uh, dance? Uh, would you like to manage a recording session? Uh, w- would you like to uh, be a singer who is asking them to write a song for you? What? How would you want to interact with the Bee Gees? Wow, that's such a great question. I mean, okay, so if I get to along with this, choose my skill. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Because uh, like I could say, like, yeah, I want to be, you know, the studio engineer, but I don't have any of those. Like, I don't <laughs> have that knowledge. Deal with the uh, <laughs> I want to be the one person who hits the wrong button and then finds their new song, <laughs> their new sound. <laughs> um, yeah. That. I mean, that would be 
amazing to be in in some capacity in the studio with them when they're recording because it, it seems like half the stories are like oh yeah we were just sitting on the stairs you know after lunch waiting for the next thing and we wrote this song hey look it's also <laughs> number one hey look this one it's you know like it's not number one but it's number seven and I just feel like that that kind of story like I feel like the energy in the recording studio would be infectious and I would love to be part of that okay so what would you want to be doing in the recording studio would oh oh um I mean I I honestly like if I get to choose my skills be some one of the people in the um the recording side of things okay like the yeah. studio engineer although I'm also very tempted by the offer to have them write a song for me <laughs> I, think, I mean, uh, really, I have to choose that one. Yeah, I or would. Both. I would love that if the Bee Gees, uh, if you travel back in time, mm-hmm. and the Bee Gees were willing to write a song for you, what direction would you give them? Would you give them a mood, a style, a lyric? What would you give them Ooh. to work from? Um, I would say something dancey, but that doesn't. It could be up tempo, but it doesn't have to be. It could be a dancey ballad. Ooh, a dancey ballad. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like dancey ballads. I like uh, Tony Bennett does this a, a couple of times where he will do an interpretation of a song mm-hmm. and he wants to do it differently. And Tony Bennett in, in general, his his public facing persona has always been pretty happy go lucky. I started reading his uh, uh, autobiography that came out in like the late 90s. <laughs> it's just like, well, my life's been pretty great. And it still is like... Uh, <laughs> But he's got a couple songs that are like, that's clearly a downer song, Tony, but you're really swinging it. <laughs> and there's something really fun about that. So I'd love to hear a BG song that was like upbeat melancholy. Yeah. Like the nights, the nights on Broadway, like try to find that and to make it into more of a ballad kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That okay. is great. Uh, are there any other thoughts or ideas you want to share about uh, BGs or your BGs obsession? Oh my gosh. Um, yes, I would also really like to be able to go back in time and see their spirits having flown tour. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Which is the tour that they did while all these anti disco things were going on. Um, but I would like to be one of the people at the spirits having flown tour, being very excited <laughs> to be there uh, because I love a lot of the um, songs from that album. And okay. that had come out right before then. And um, I would, if I could jump back in time. I would really like to be at that concert. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, My final question for you uh, is where do you see your Bee Gees obsession going in the future? I mean, for the next week or two, it's just going to keep skyrocketing. Top of the charts. (laughs) Top of the charts. And you're going to, we've got a a, a Blu-ray, a DVD of a concert. Yes, their one night only concert. Yeah. From 1997, which turned into their one night only tour. Uh, I love things like that. Uh, that's great. Uh, so I will definitely happily watch the One Night Only Tour uh, now that I have some keys to unlocking uh, the Bee Gees, and I'll happily listen to some, some Bee Gees in, in the car, you know, when we go places, which we do all the time right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when we next go to a public park, because that is the only place I go, when we go to a public park or Target or pick up food, the only things I do right now, I will happily listen to Bee Gees in the car. Fantastic. Yay. Uh, can you make a noise to sum up your obsession? 
perfect. Uh, that that's the button you hit in the studio. Uh, for the benefit of listeners, there was some uh, disco finger pointing, yeah. and it was well done. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Nights on Broadway has been in my head a lot, so that was inspired by Nights on Broadway. Okay, got the it. The song. Yeah. Uh, I was also really affected uh, by, I think it was uh, Justin Timberlake, who they were interviewing in the documentary, who was just really kind of nerding out yeah, about yeah. the Bee Gees. But one of the things he said is just like, that. there's all these parts in their songs that that should be horns. It would make perfect sense as, you know, as a song, as an arrangement, if that was horns, but their voices are just too damn good. They're just like, we'll be the horns. <laughs> it's so true. And it was amazing it, to hear him say that. It really unlocked a, a lot for me. Like yeah. in the next time there, the, we should be dancing a clip of, we should be dancing, playing that. Yeah. Like, that's so great. Yeah. It's a horn. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually do should say that, that that was another part of the documentary that, I thought was very insightful was having different musicians who did not play with them, but like um, Justin Timberlake and some others comment on kind of their reaction to them or things that they had gone through. And I just, I, I felt that like that gave a really nice depth to their ongoing um, influence on music. Yeah. It showed other people's total understanding of their place in, in music history. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's let rate your obsession on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. What do you think your Bee Gees obsession is at? Today, a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, um, you know, we've talked about this as an on-again, off-again obsession. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's certainly been low, like a 4 yeah. um, or something, you know, where... I'd happily listen to them if they came on, but I'd, then I would, you know, turn around and do other things for the next few years. Um, I would say early obsession was probably like an eight. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a four disc obsession. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I played it at my birthday party. Come on. Yeah. That, that That is really the height of obsession at that age, right? Right. <laughs> so where do you settle then is your, if you had to average them all out with math and whatnot? Oh, um, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Nice, nice. I think that is a good, solid, honest obsession. Uh, we are going to move on to the plugging section. Uh, people can find you on Instagram, right? Yes, at Scrim Street. Excellent. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Four Center. For info on uh, upcoming shows and comedy albums and all kind of stuff like that, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshot. And <laughs> uh, I'm going to do a, a plug for HBO Max. Uh, <laughs> is HBO Max uh, the weird fantasy comedy show that I write for, Tigtone? Uh, the both of the current seasons are streaming on HBO Max, so you can go to HBO Max, you can stream Tigtone, and then you can watch this amazing Bee Gees documentary if you haven't already. All right, you ready for final questions? Yes, I am. If you could command either rain or fire, which would you pick? Rain. Rain. Okay, why? Because I really like rain. Plus, we live in California. Um, we need rain. We don't need fire. No. <laughs> Uh, fair enough so how if you had this power how often would you make it rain (laughs) enough so that people in california would be mad at me (laughs) another sunny oh it's (laughs) 
if a food item could give you strength like spinach gives to Popeye, what food would you want it to be? Red wine. <laughs> a perfect answer. I can see you getting stronger before me. Final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? Finding your Bee Gees and rocking out. That is a perfect answer. Thank you so much for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So just out of curiosity, have you ever dressed up as one of the Bee Gees? Not yet, but I'm always looking for costume ideas, and now this is at the top of the list.